Hi, I'm Jean Godfrey June, and this is Megan O'Neill. We're the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty clean, non toxic beauty, skin care, hair care, body care, self care, and the way we think about beauty both as individuals and in the wider culture. I am so psyched about our guests today and had so many questions for them. I love getting advice from health gurus on the best foods to eat for glowy skin. But we are talking to Whitney Tingle and Danielle Dubois, co-founders and co-CEOs of Saqqara Life. If you don't know of it already, Saqqara is a health, beauty, and organic plant-based meal delivery company that looks at health holistically, combining nutrition science with the Eastern philosophy that food is medicine. Invented by two best friends from Arizona who came to New York and just made it happen. I could not love Saqqara or Whitney or Danielle or the food that they make more. I mean, I've got the cookbook, love listen to the podcast. I'm kind of a fangirl. I've I've done both their regular delivery and their detox deliveries, and both were delicious. And the thing about everything they make is always a treat, like opening a present opening up one of their boxes. There's every color vegetable. There's some crazy blue or purple nut milk. It's like always this delicious surprise. And I remember that you and I discovered them like back in the day at Lucky's. Like remember just like sitting on the floor and inhaling their incredible popcorn, which we still to this day. I feel like you're my forever Saqqara popcorn binging partner. I am. I will always (laughs) be there with you. I'm mad that this year we couldn't do it because we weren't in the other. Yeah. We still ate the popcorn, but we did it from afar. I totally agree. I love everything they make. I love their salads. Like they're actually filling beautiful salads and the dressing is super delicious. And I love their treats, like the sexy cinnamon roll made with oat and rice flour. And there's a muesli recipe in their cookbook that's just so amazing. Good. The cookbook's so good. I love their prenatal vitamins. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Also, they, Whitney and Danielle, are just sort of like walking advertisements for their meals and eating a nourishing diet. Whenever I see them, I'm just so in awe of their skin and their energy and their cool outfits. The brand is just so elegant and it it comes from them. And I'm pretty good about eating 80% healthy and 20% going nuts, I'd say. Like during the week, I'm like more chaste and I look forward to salads for lunch. And the weekend is just like grilled cheese, pizza, fries. I don't know. I feel good about that. Like 80, 20, I feel like is really good. What do you do? Like what percent? I mean, I mean, for the amount I eat, I should be a much heavier person. Like it, you know, it just is. But my thing is always like the man, like the establishment, the man wants you to eat like processed, gnarly, non-nutritional food. And so I'm always trying to kind of screw the man, you know, and like, he isn't happy if I eat an apple instead of eating, you know, I don't know, mozzarella sticks or something, you know, like, I feel like if you, if it's always a little victory when you're eating something nutritious, it's sort of, yeah, it keeps my appetites in check a little, just that feeling like I'm sort of screwing over this system that is just unhealthy and bad for everyone. Also, the other thing that sort of helps with that is like when I was probably about 40, like sweets started to make me feel hungover. I had always never had any trouble eating anything. And it got so that like I can eat 
a sweet at the end of a meal. I used to be like, oh, look, it's a cupcake and it's four o'clock. I'll have that. Yeah. Totally couldn't do that now. Like I would feel hung over as if I'd like drank a million things, you know. So it's not that I won't eat an amazing dessert like I, that on appetite cherry pie you introduced me to, for instance, but sugary things. They weren't ever really my thing, but they became way less my thing when I turned around 40. And savory is always the thing for me. Like Interesting. Okay. Just love it. All right. Shall we get to Danielle and Whitney? Yes, Sakara? let's do it. I'm so glad you guys are here and so excited to like see you at least, if not be with you. I think the last time I saw you, Whitney, we were like at that HBO screening at Spring Place with your gorgeous husband. Right. And Danielle, I saw you at Lainey's house. That, I think yeah. that's the last time I saw you. I think that was the launch of Say Beauty. Yes, I love that mascara. So this was all before COVID that we saw each other. And I think before maybe a few children arrived. Yeah, we both have new children since then. That's so cool. Congratulations. Whenever I see you guys, including now over Zoom, you both look so glowy and healthy and full of energy. And knowing some of your story at Sakara. You started it because you didn't feel like glowy and good and physically and emotionally full of energy and healthy. So if you could just take us back to that sort of how your idea for the company came about and how you made it happen. It's going way back now. I think this is our 10-year anniversary. Well, our anniversary, our Sakara anniversary, the anniversary between you and me goes back way further than that. Than 10 years, right. Yeah, you guys grew up together, right? We did in Sedona, Arizona, which is where I am right now. And, you know, growing up in Sedona was an interesting upbringing. I think we're really exposed to just different ways of thinking. People come to Sedona from all over the world, really in, in search of healing and to explore different types of healing modalities. So people, you know, my father was an architect, but he would also practice Reiki with a Reiki master every Tuesday night. And Danielle always talks about how like in LA, when you go to a restaurant, you know, everybody's in the business. Your waiter might be your waiter, but also be an actor or a screenplay writer. Well, in Sedona, your waiter might be a palm reader or a psychic or a sound bath meditation. <laughs> we were exposed to a lot of this early on. And I think when we moved to New York, for me at least, I kind of forgot some of that. Just the quick, busy lifestyle, go, go, go. It's very different from Sedona. But yeah. deep inside, we still had this foundation of mind-body-food connection, that food and nature are powerful and can do amazing things and heal your body if given the opportunity. And even a little further back, how did your friendship start? We met when he was a new kid in school. She came to my school in the seventh grade and we were in math class. And I leaned back and I said hi and introduced Yeah, Danielle was sitting in the chair in front of me and she <laughs> leaned back <laughs> looking at me like upside down backwards. It's like, hi, I'm Danielle. And that was pretty much the start of our friendship. <laughs> that was all I had to do to win Whitney over. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You don't think don't think of seventh grade math class as being like the formative moment of your life. That's so cool. Well, our math teacher was really cool as well. You know, this was Sedona. So she was kind of this 
hippie. She had a shaved head and a nose ring. She was a raw foodist too. But yeah, like Whitney said, it it was, we did forget it. Adulting is hard and and learning how to be an adult is difficult. And especially in New York where you're also here to, to climb big mountains and stress is high and anxiety might be high. And Whitney and I came to Saqqara for different reasons, but ultimately came to the same solution, which was how do we heal ourselves through the power of, of food as medicine first and foremost? So my path started really at a young age when I decided I had to look a certain way and I didn't feel I looked that way. And so it started with dieting at the age of nine and morphed into bigger diets and longer diets and more extreme diets. And by the time I was in high school, I think I'd tried every single diet under the sun from you know, the grapefruit and cottage cheese thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hope no one's tried the soup diets. I remember there was this cookie diet that you could pick up a cookie at Walgreens. (laughs) It was like your And it said it had all your vitamins (laughs) and minerals and blah, blah, blah. And it was not nearly as fun as it might sound. And I learned how to count calories and carbs and points and pounds. And I never learned how to build a body that I felt really good in. And I knew I wanted to study medicine. My mom had been pretty sick for most of my childhood in and out of hospitals. And I just witnessed the power of what kind of Western medicine could do. But then I also witnessed what it couldn't do. And, you know, my mom was sick again and again and again and again. And though I know they had saved her life, it was like they they couldn't help her lifestyle. So when I went to study medicine, I came to New York to study medicine, and I was working with a cardiologist up at St. Luke's Hospital here in New York City. And we were seeing patients with late-stage lifestyle diseases, so anything from heart disease to diabetes, et cetera, and just realized that, you know, my, the cardiologist I was working with was spectacular and so knowledgeable, but couldn't help people really change their lifestyle and didn't necessarily understand how to help them change their lifestyle. So he could recommend pharmaceutical drugs, he could perform open heart surgery, do all these incredible things. But on the day to day to help these patients, there wasn't really any tools in his toolkit. And even, you know, seeing the dietitians in the hospital, my mom saw the dietitians in the hospital, and they were telling her to eat low fat yogurt. I remember going to see my mom once in the hospital after this insane surgery. And they asked her what she wanted. And she said, mashed potatoes and key lime pie that was on the menu. And that's what she had. And that was, you know, okay. So it was really this convergence of me dealing with my own issues around food, feeling like an alien in my body half the time, not understanding how to eat to feel really good, much less look really good, dealing with, you know, bloating and IBS, and then witnessing people in patients in the hospital do the same thing and have the same issues and not know where to turn to. So that was really when I decided I want to study nutrition. I want to understand how food impacts the body and exactly how to eat to feel really good. And that came also at a time where I hit a rock bottom around dieting. I'd done a crazy fast for 21 days and it was in Southern Arizona and I got really sick and it was this wake up call because it was so extreme. It was a water fast and then a raw food diet. Whoa, for 20 The The Whoa. water fast luckily was just seven days. And Even seven days, that's cr- It's huge. really long. And for those dieters that might be listening 
to this out there. It's like, if you're a dieter, you know, you're good at following the rules. And if somebody said, this is what you're going to do for 21 days, like I, I really did it. And I listened because I was so looking forward to the outcome. You were and, so determined. Yeah. And like you really wanted it. And it was these high highs and low lows. And it was really just this roller coaster and this vicious cycle, you know, a water fast for seven days and then raw food for two weeks is not a lifestyle. It's a complete diet cleanse, exactly the thing that I, I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. So I hit my rock bottom, you know, I decided to study nutrition and that was really when I think Sakara started to pop up in, in my brain. And I was lucky enough to be at rock bottom, not by myself, but Whitney was down there with me. <laughs> for her own so lucky. <laughs> yeah, I, I think seeing Danielle go through that was part of my big aha moment. You know, she was basically over here in one extreme living on water. And I was on the other extreme trying to, to find my way in the fast paced world of finance. So I moved out to New York to work on Wall Street, which sounded really fun and sexy to me at the time. My entire life starting from probably the age of 11, I'd been battling with acne. And it just continued to grow and grow and get worse and worse. Over the years, I tried everything out there. I did all of the different creams and treatments. I bought everything off of the infomercials that promised me the clear skin in 30 days or whatever it was. I did rounds and rounds of antibiotics, which knowing now what we know about microbiome health and how important that is to overall total body health, I'm definitely sad that I did that, but the doctors at the time were trying to help me. They didn't know. And they were right that acne does come from a bacterial imbalance. Just antibiotics were not the cure. So I was going through all these rounds of antibiotics. I did Accutane, which is a very serious drug. I don't recommend it to anybody at all. Along with the Accutane, they put me on Prozac because suicide can be a side effect of Accutane. They put me on birth control pills, synthetic hormones, and had me sign a contract saying that if I got pregnant, I would have an abortion because the baby would come out with birth defects. And so I'm you know, in my early 20s trying to start my career in New York City. And this acne, it was just big, red, painful cysts all over my face that I would try to cover with makeup and with bangs <laughs> and whatever else. <laughs> But it was affecting my confidence. It was affecting my career, my love life, how I showed up in the world. Oh, yeah. So I went around to see all of the fancy dermatologists that I would read about in the magazines. And one by one, they just wanted to give me another round of antibiotics or another round of Accutane. And I was thinking about this with the Accutane as, you know, I was paying hundreds of dollars for five minutes in this chair with a dermatologist and they're giving me this prescription again. I just had this voice that was yelling at me and you know, telling me not to do this. And I was thinking about if this was creating an environment in my body that was not healthy for a baby, how is this creating a healthy <laughs> environment for myself, for me to live? And the truth is, is it's not. And it, you know, it, it's supposed to go in and shrink your oil glands from the inside. But as we age, we need that oil. That oil is what keeps our skin supple and hydrated and decreasing wrinkles. But, you know, in that moment, you're not thinking about that. You just want your acne to go away. 
But this voice was just so loud telling me, don't do it. To go inside and figure out what is the root cause that is creating this acne, that the acne is just a symptom coming out on the skin. Something bigger is going on and figure out that. And so this was really at the same time that Danielle was coming out of her her fast and crazy diets. And I decided, you know, we both kind of decided in that moment, food was going to be our answer. It was going to be our solution. And we needed to come together and figure it out for ourselves and really, you know, to be able to survive. Yeah. I was learning, I was in school at the time and I was also learning about so much exciting research around the microbiome. And I think Whitney and I also realized that there's so much that we're learning about what the gut is, but nobody's talking about how to eat and live for a healthy gut. And so we really felt that kind of disparity and we felt ourselves, how do we eat for a healthy gut, knowing that the gut is linked to so many things from weight loss to mental health to acne And yet none of us are talking about how to protect it, how to cultivate a healthy gut. And then even for the very, very few who were talking about it, it was, it almost felt impossible. It's like you have to get all of this diversity of food on your plate every single day. You have to get, you know, at least six cups of leafy greens every single day. You have to get all sorts of types of colors. You have to make sure you're getting, you know, organic and even regenerative if you can, fruits and vegetables every single day. It's just, it's overwhelming. And so we thought if we're feeling overwhelmed and we know that this is life-changing and we can barely kind of get ourselves together enough to cook ourselves breakfast, lunch, and dinner with all of these kind of pillars in mind, then other people must be suffering too. And how do we help ourselves and then hopefully help others? I mean, when you're describing those things, you know, the things that are needed, I'm like seeing a Saqqara, like, you know, you always have like, you know, every salad, every bowl, everything is like a jillion different colors and like every vegetable you've ever thought of. And like, it's kind of amazing you've been able to give that to people. Yeah. In a, in a day on Saqqara, you're getting upwards of 70 different types of plant species into your body. Wow. And it tastes so good. Yeah. And, you know, Danielle mentioned regenerative farming. It's something really interesting and and really important, I think, to talk about. So on regenerative farms, they grow more than just one crop. You know, these monocrops, the crop will suck out certain nutrients it needs in order to grow. And those nutrients get depleted and not replenished. And so on regenerative farms, They're growing lots of different species of plants on there that are taking different kinds of nutrients and also adding different nutrients into the soil. So the plants and vegetables and things that are grown on that land tend to be more nutritious for us. So the same way that our bodies need the diversity and that helps our the the microbes and kind of that inner garden inside our bodies and our gut grow, it's the same on farms and with the soil and with the earth too. And how did you get from just, you know, okay, we love this idea, like taking the plunge, chopping the vegetables. How did it like come together? It first happened because eating this week changed our lives. It wasn't a business until we realized that this is so transformative, that that was really what propelled us and motivated us and inspired us to go and act on this mission of trying to transform as many lives as possible. 
you know, for me, after eating this way, even for as little as a few weeks, I just started to realize that I'd been so busy counting calories and not counting nutrients that I literally starved my gut of everything it needed. And it was impacting my mood and, you know, how I looked and that I didn't have to choose between having a body I felt really empowered in and good in and sexy in and my food and good food. And I think when you grow up in kind of with a diet mentality that you forget that, that you think that your best body, one that you feel empowered in is because you've been, you know, eating cardboard crackers, fiber crackers, (laughs) whatever your thing is. And it was a really big shift for me to realize that food is medicine, that food is not about calories, that food is about getting all the nutrients that you need every single day. And that within that joy, joy is a nutrient. And if you're not getting enough of that, that that is starving yourself in one way or another as well. Okay. So you started Sakara, and it's been 10 years, which is amazing. And you guys are best friends and co-CEOs. Is that ever weird? Like, do you, do you switch into like work mode? Sometimes I think what we have found is that this work is our life and our life blends with work that, you know, we don't, Danielle always says we don't go home and not be a CEO and we don't come to work and not be a mother that you are what you are. And so you have to find ways to make it work and to blend. And so, you know, we're business partners at work, but we're also best friends at work. So we might be having a meeting on something and then be like, oh my gosh, you know, this and this and this is happening. What do you think? And start talking about personal things and then go back to work. And we might call each other just to talk and catch up and then be like, oh, and this is going on at work, blah, 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 blah. It, it all just kind of blends together. I think we have to make sure that it's not all work all the time, that we're finding those moments to connect. But I think it's, for us, has been, you know, one of the reasons we've been able to be so successful with Sakara is we have so much trust between each other and we care about each other as people first and foremost. And we know that we, tra- that we care about each other and therefore we're able to do more at work, having that kind of foundation to grow from. And we also just get to have so much fun. I mean, it's just so much fun when you have that level of trust with someone and then also feel like you can be best friends and co-CEOs. And like Whitney said, life is just life. So we are CEOs when we're at home and we're best friends at work and we're mothers everywhere in between. And it's all just one life. And so just having fun. I mean, if you asked our employees, Megan, your, your question was like, is it weird? I feel like sometimes <laughs> our employees might be like, oh, sometimes it's weird because we talk telepathically all the time. At work, people refer to us as DW, like we're one entity a lot. But it's also really nice because in I can imagine feeling burnt out doing one thing all the time in terms of, you know, if I'm focusing on you know, legal and Whitney's focusing on marketing, we can switch in six months. I like that a lot because I could imagine getting burnt out, having to either focus on all of it or, or just a few things forever and always. This is a funny question, but because you're the face of your brand as well, you know, you're, there's something so public facing about you and so much gets projected on us as women. You're gorgeous. You're successful. You're female. I would imagine that 
people project all kinds of things, you know, sexuality, there's the archetype of two women, they must be fighting, that kind of thing. What are some of the things people like assume about you and do you work to dispel them or do you just ignore them? Like, can it affect your brand? I'd say two things that come to mind. One that I've actually been talking a lot about with my husband is this, I, the, we get called girls a lot. And we started the company when we were, you know, 25. So maybe we could get away with being called girls. And it's kind of not a, I don't exactly know what to call it. It's a not diminutive. a, a yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you just called us women and, and I appreciate that. And it's like, <laughs> sometimes I feel as though we can't get out of this idea of we started the company as young women. And so we get called girls a lot. Especially and on our bicycles, delivering, you know, around the city and startup -y. Yeah, whether it's across press or even in the boardroom, you know, not necessarily with our board, but you know, when we're out raising money, et cetera, that's definitely something. And then I think the other thing that people assume is that we came from money, which is very much not the case. You know, I grew up on food stamps with a single mother and yeah, yeah. And, you know, Whitney had a single mother as well, has a single mother. And there was nothing about us that, you know, had, we didn't have any, I mean, when we started the company, I, we were both completely broke and we started it with $700. Um, Broker than broke. We raised that $700 from throwing a dinner party. <laughs> We didn't have the seven hundred. We raised the seven hundred dollars. You know, Wait, you threw a dinner party. Like how? What was that? We threw a dinner party and we charged all of our friends to go. <laughs> so good. And we had uh, friends invite other friends, and we charged them too. And at the end of the night, we had seven hundred bucks, and we were like, "Woohoo, we're rich!" Yeah, we were like, oh, "We'll never God. have to raise another dollar." We <laughs> Luckily, you know, we had now have a CFO who <laughs> takes care of that. But yeah, I think that. It, it's so interesting because we really started the company with nothing, delivering ourselves, cooking ourselves. And as much as I think that is such an, an incredible story now that I can look back on 10 years later, there's also this way in which it can keep people thinking that we're kind of young, inexperienced, don't know what we're doing, you know, a question around. Yeah. yeah. That our business is small. That our business is small. You know, a question we got when we were raising money is like, who manages your money? It's like, well, we turned $700 into many millions. So it's going to be us. <laughs> We've and done a pretty good job so far. Yeah. So you're right. It's, there are a lot of assumptions that I think everyone has to face in, in one way or another, but particularly women. I would also say that people think that we're always perfect or polished, even though we are completely the opposite from that. I just had somebody write me an email the other day. She was somebody I was having an interview with, and she said that she was thinking about canceling the meeting because she wasn't feeling great that day. She was having a bad hair day. She didn't feel good in her body, and she was feeling nervous of showing up to this interview with me, even though it was over Zoom. Um, <laughs> and she said, yeah, it was just intimidating. You kind of have like GP vibes, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that Gwyneth feels the same way of, of people looking at her. Is she perfect? Is she eating perfectly all the time? Is she doing all the wellness things? Yeah. And I think put, people put a lot of pressure on us for that too, which is one of the reasons we talk so much about things that I don't know, we're vulnerable. We we talk about our insecurities. We talk about our my skin issues. We talk about, I just recorded a podcast the other day about my fertility journey and 
you know, going through miscarriage and struggles and that we can have all of this wellness knowledge, but that doesn't mean that it's easy to do or that we're perfect all the time or that, yeah. you know, we just live <laughs> on organic vegetables for every single meal. Like our cookbook life is, is called, life. yeah. And our cookbook is called eat clean, play dirty. Like we try to be healthy and clean most of the time, but then yeah, life is life and it gets a little messy and that's part of the fun of it too. So good. Love it. You guys have built this amazing business around nourishing meals. I, I love the, the brown rice noodle salads. Like they're so filling and delicious. And the cinnamon rolls, the sexy cinnamon rolls. But they're to die for. They're so good. <laughs> but clean eating can sometimes be twisted into code for like diet, as you know. So where, where is the line between being healthy and being eating disordered? It's a great question. I think for all of us who are not dealing with uh, life-threatening disease, because I think we have to separate the two where you have to eat in order to eat a certain way in order to survive. Mm-hmm. For those of us looking to, to get healthier, feel better, or optimize. optimize or reverse things like, you know, acne or IBS, which, you know, do have long-term effects, of course, but it's still talking about thriving rather than surviving. I think that you know, when we talk about our our pillars of nutrition, which are a lot of the things I mentioned earlier, making sure you're getting enough greens, making sure you're getting a variety of plants, making sure that you're getting healthy fats instead of, you know, inflammatory causing inflammation caused fats. We call them pillars because they're not rules. And I think that you have to be really careful to not live by a rule book because then you're on the wagon and you can fall off the wagon. And we always say there's no wagon to fall off of. It's, it's just life and you have to do your best. And I think if the journey isn't feeling joyful, then we need to do something else. And I think the reason I use the word joy so often with Saqqara is because I was that person that was dieting and there was not one part of it that was joyful. And I could pretend it was and I could hide behind, you know, I'm vegan, I'm raw foodist, so I can't eat that. And I could kind of pretend it was all joyful and merry and of course, at times, if something you know really worked and I felt like a diet was really working, it was joyful for a minute, but then the crash was so hard. So I think that the difference between diet and, and clean eating is we're trying, to, we're trying to live a healthy lifestyle. So if you feel like it can't be a, a lifestyle, then it's a diet. If it's not something that you can do kind of forever, then it's a, it's a diet. And Whitney and I talk about, you know, eat clean, play dirty. You eat clean most of the time. And then if you want the extra glass of wine or you want French fries on Friday night with your friends, you say yes. Because the scariest part for me when I was a dieter was that I didn't know how to build a body I felt good in. But once you know how, once you have that toolkit, living on the edge is not so scary because you know how to kind of climb back up from it. So having a couple days where maybe I don't eat as well as I might, or one day when we can travel again and then have, you know, decadent foods, that's okay. And that's part of life too. It has to be a way of living that does create a healthy body and a healthy relationship to your plate. Yeah. Relationship, I think is one of the key words there that what is your intention behind your clean eating? Is it truly to help your body be healthy, feel good, or is it in a certain way based on fear? 
And yeah, fear and control leads to disordered eating and anxiety and guilt and lots of other feelings where I think that clean eating can be a form of self-love and self-care if done with the right intentions that you're feeling deserving of treating your body well and putting good ingredients into it. And I attended in your InGoop Health Summit oh, and, good. and I was listening to Dr. Taz speak about hormone balancing and reading some of the questions that were coming in. And some people were asking, you know, Dr. Taz, can you tell us what foods we shouldn't be eating in order to balance our hormones, in order to clear my skin? And I think that there's still this mindset that we need to shift away from what shouldn't I be eating to what should I be eating. And what the science actually shows is that when we're eating mostly good, healthy, clean ingredients, getting enough plants, enough leafy greens into our diet, you know, not just saying I'm vegan, so I don't eat these things, but what are you actually eating? And are you eating enough of those things that your body reacts differently when you eat the foods that are quote unquote, not as healthy? It can hold up. It's stronger. It's healthier. The stronger and flexible. Is, yeah. That your immune system is stronger. So yeah, that's why we really focus on making sure our clients and people are getting enough of, of the good stuff into their bodies. And never focus on a no list because sometimes you're going to have to eat other things and that stress and anxiety and guilt around food and, and eating something that is, you know, considered the wrong thing can be just as toxic as that unhealthy food. And people love talking about what mm -hmm. not to eat. I mean, I remember I, we have clients all the time who say, you know, I'm slightly sensitive to strawberries. I remember I had this girlfriend who was dealing with, with IBS and, you know, I offered to send her Sakara and she was like, no, cause there's things I can't have. My doctor said I'm slightly sensitive to strawberries and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I go out with her and she's having like ice cream and champagne, you know, but doesn't have strawberries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there is this idea that if I just don't do that, if I cling on to my diet mentality, everything will be fine. But it's actually the kind of weight of how we feel the bulk of how we feel comes from what we do most of the time. And even, I don't know if you guys know Dr. Bolshewitz, the gut health MD on Instagram. He's amazing. And he talks about, we had him on the Sakara podcast. He talks a lot about the difference between allergies and, and a food sensitivity. And oh, I totally need to listen. <laughs> yeah. And right he, he talks about how allergies are a full-blown immune response to something, but that sensitivities are actually tend to come from dysbiosis, an imbalanced microbiome, and that you should actually include these foods. You know, he talks about definitely with, with help from a nutritionist or a doctor, but that you actually need to start reintroducing these foods and build up your gut so that you can start to have them again, because they tend to be due to an absence of certain strains of bacteria, leaky gut, et cetera. But those are all things that, that, that we can change. And I think that's the most exciting part about all the emerging science around the microbiome is that it actually means that we have so, con so much control over how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it another tool that, you know, that Oh, exactly. I got to I'm going to listen. Do you guys sort of going back to another aspect of sort of the girl thing you were talking about? Do you ever do you feel or are conscious of 
of pressure to look a certain way as the founder of this healthy food eating. I would imagine you get it from both sides that you can, you know, in our society, you can't be, you can't be too thin and you can't be too heavy. So there's no, yeah. and there's nothing in between, but how do you deal with it? Are there things you say to yourself or? Yeah, I think so. I gave birth five months ago and Megan, you look incredible, girl. You are just yeah, glowing you and amazing. <laughs> you do. It's crazy. I gained 55 pounds throughout my pregnancy. And afterwards, you know, I was holding on to a good 25 extra pounds for my starting pregnancy weight. I thought about that, like, are people going to judge me? You know, are they expecting me to just, oh, you are Sakara. You're supposed to bounce right yeah. back. Yeah. And hoping that that if I bounced back, that they would bounce back too, if they followed our program or something like that. And for me, I, I had a big baby. He came out nine and a half pounds. Wow. A lot. He's five months old. He's already 22 pounds. Oh He's my very, God. Yeah. He's he wears, so tall, probably. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I are both tall. He's going to be tall. I was a big baby as well. And so is my husband. A big baby and, is best. So cute. Mm, yeah, he's healthy. He's yeah, happy. Healthy. He's growing. So I trust my body that my body put on the amount of weight that it needs in order to sustain this big baby and to continue to provide milk to grow him and mm-hmm. to be able to sustain both of our lives. And so I'm just I'm trying to be gentle with myself and be patient with myself and to bring my audience and following along with me a little bit through this of shifting that mentality of like, oh my God, we need to get our bodies back right away to the body is smart. Can we tune into our body's intelligence and know just like what Danielle was saying that if we're treating it right and have our toolkit filled with healthy eating modalities and tools that it'll go back when it's supposed to go back. And, you know, now I'm 15 pounds over my starting weight, which I think is is still great. I feel like I'm at a good place. I feel good in my body. I actually feel more confident in my body than I did before getting pregnant. But I think it is because I feel like I can really trust my body, that it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think motherhood also though offers this new level of reverence for your body and, and what it can do. And so any way in which, you know, I used to judge it before, it's, it's still a journey. And, and for anyone listening that has dealt with pretty disordered eating and, and diet mentality and toxic relationship to your food, it can be triggering postpartum. And it, it, it's actually been more difficult for me the second time around than first time around. And I think it's because I feel like I'm done. I'm not having any more children. <laughs> I feel like I have two is good. Two is good. And so I'm really anxious. I haven't felt like my body was mine in so long from pregnancy with the first to now just giving birth two months ago to my second. Two so I'm feeling, ago. Oh my God. yeah, yeah. He, well, he's not tiny. He's also humongous. But yeah, I'm feeling a little more anxious to get back to it. And, and I'm really cognizant of any kind of triggers that I have that bring me back to, you know, my 18 year old self that felt like I had to look a certain way. But like I said, it's so empowering to just know I have a toolkit. And even though 
I, I think it's really important to talk about that just because you heal your body and you heal your relationship to food, it doesn't ever mean that you don't face triggers again and that you don't ever kind of face those insecurities. But the difference is that I now I have a toolkit. It's not so scary when I feel triggered. It's not like, oh, what, what do I do? How do I get back to myself and hop on that bandwagon of dieting again? You know, because that's what I always used to do when I felt that way. But to Whitney's point, I have this new level of respect for my body. I trust my body. I have a good relationship to food. I've, you know, spent the last 15 years training my palate. Like I crave healthy foods and it can take time to train your palate. And really what that means is you're changing. Your body will come and go and change. And what a privilege it is to be able to experience pregnancy and birth. And if on the other side of that, you need to give your body, you know, a year to, to come back to whatever it's meant to be. Yeah. After I gave birth, I did my postpartum blood work testing and which I recommend that people do that just to check in with your body. And with mine, I found that my blood sugar was a bit high. My cholesterol was a bit high, likely because my blood sugar was high. And so I started using a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor which, you know, put it on your arm or I think you're supposed to put it on your abdomen, but with baby and everything, I put mine on my arm. And it was really fascinating to be able to see what things would spike my blood sugar. But what was really amazing was this was right when we were starting our, our total body reset four week campaign in January, which is one of the times of year that we come together and just really stick to Saqqara. So during my regular life, I'll eat Saqqara, you know, like three or five days out of the week. And then other days I'll eat other things. And maybe I share it with my family and that type of thing. And during this period, I just really stick to committing to living the Saqqara life and eating clean and eating this way. And it was incredible to see in real time, you know, it was testing through my blood how these meals were affecting my blood sugar and that it was just keeping it stable in the right zone the whole time. I wasn't having spikes outside of my blood sugar zone and just knowing that, okay, when, when the doctor tells me that my blood sugar is high, that my cholesterol is high, that I have these tools to get back into my healthy zone and back to feeling good. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hear rumors that the new Apple Watch will be able to test blood sugar as well. It's oh, on one of those like Apple wow. rumor websites. But oh. if it's true. Whitney, you spend time on cool. those websites? My sister sent it to me because she knows that I'm so into this stuff. Fun fact about Whitney, I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> Apple but, I, but it could be huge if people are seeing in real time how food affects your body. Just the level of accountability and it'll impact the choices that we make. I mean, seeing it for me immediately impacted the choices that I would make. And so with Sakara, with our meals, we actually design them with blood sugar stability in mind. So we cool. look at the, the carb to fiber ratio. We include healthy fats and make sure you're getting enough protein, plant protein into your meals. And all of that helps to maintain a healthy, stable blood sugar. But really, if you're eating enough variety of plants, getting enough into your body, getting enough healthy fats and all these things, you don't need to 
be measuring or doing anything on the back end, it'll naturally just put you in that stable blood sugar zone. When I was about like early 40s, all of a sudden I started like my body started notifying me when my blood sugar was high. It was kind of crazy. I'd be like, oh, I can't just eat that cupcake by itself like I used to be able to. Like I it just was like, no. <laughs> Either your body started notifying you more, or I think as we get older, we also just become more and more in tune, you know, or mm. it's a combination. But, yeah. and I also think that the, the more you learn how to take care of yourself, the more you learn how to listen to yourself too. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about skin for a second. So Whitney, you've talked about your struggles with adult acne, me too, by the way, and whole antibiotics thing and weird gut problems from it and weird burping problems from it too. Which mm, mm-hmm. to but anyway, what foods made the biggest difference in clearing up your skin? It really is living the Saqqara life. So following our nutrition pillars, I think it's not just one food, but looking at the combination of foods. So you can't just say, an avocado is healthy. I'm going to eat an avocado. And then all you're eating is an avocado every day. That's not healthy. So getting enough plants into your diet, can you shoot for that six cups of leafy greens every day? I think that's a great place to start because it's an easy thing to kind of pay attention to and getting enough leafy greens into your diet, whether that's putting it into your smoothie in the morning, adding it to whatever you're already eating for a lunch having a big salad for dinner or something like that, you'll already start to see a change there. Getting enough hydrating fruits and vegetables. So before we started Saqqara and we were kind of on this journey exploring different foods and ways of eating, we thought we were eating really healthy. We were eating organic trail mixes and high fiber cereals with nut milks and all of these you know, grain-free crackers and whatever else. But all of it was really dehydrating. Because none of those things, if it can sit on a shelf in your cupboard, then it doesn't contain water because water grows life. And in order to have a longer shelf life, you don't want life to be growing <laughs> in, in your, your box thing. of crackers. <laughs> so eating foods that are high in water content, like cucumbers and melons and romaine lettuce, all these things that will live and die in your refrigerator that all goes in and hydrates not just your skin, but your entire digestive system. So often when people have a skin problem like acne or even rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, they often have other symptoms as well that they think are not connected. So maybe they have sinus infections, maybe they have bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections, constipation, diarrhea, IBS, you know, whatever it is, some sort of bacterial imbalance, and it's all connected. Even anxiety and certain forms of depression can stem from a bacterial imbalance in your gut. And so by eating foods, you're starting to shift that bacterial imbalance, that dysbiosis that Danielle was talking about, into one that strengthens your immune system in order to clear your skin and and then you'll also see things like your digestive system starting to flow more smoothly and you know other health benefits as well so not just treating the skin or your waistline but your entire body at once yeah dr robin chetkin is a friend of ours she's a gastroenterologist out of dc and 
I'd say she's one of the leading experts on the microbiome and you guys are familiar with her at Goop. And she talks about how in her practice, she sees a lot of people obviously with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and that they almost always have a history of taking antibiotics for acne. And so just remembering the the link, I remember when Whitney was really going through the depths of what it meant to have acne and and seeing dermatologists and yet kind of riding the line of growing up in Sedona and knowing food matters and asking her dermatologist, like, should I be eating differently? What should I do? And and he would, I remember he looked directly at her and said, food does not affect your skin. Food has nothing (laughs) to do with this. Get that out of your head. Like, you know, don't be crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, pizza, that pizza thing is a myth. Yeah. And the pizza thing is not a myth. Pizza does absolutely affect your acne. Pizza is one of the things that, you know, can like on everything. It's fine every (laughs) once in a while, but don't be living on pizza, which in New York City is really easy to do. I'm super in love with your metabolism powder. I love the package. It makes me so happy. It's like red, like it, but it's like this great, not sweet, hot chocolate, which for me is like the ultimate. I'm always so cold. Like, how does it work? Like, wh- what am I doing? Like, I just know I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it's doing for me. <laughs> no, that's, that's great that you like it. It definitely has a dark chocolate richness to it. So if you're not used to eating bitter, dark chocolate, some people add a touch of maple syrup and some nut milk to it to make it a little bit sweeter and milkier. But really, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, just what an incredible creation it is because of the combination of ingredients, how it really works to support your body and your body's metabolism from so many different angles. So it has amazing ingredients like Gymnema Sylvester in it that helps curb sugar cravings and balance blood sugar, which, you know, as we just talked about, directly affects your body's metabolism. So insulin is really important to your overall body system, your hormones. And so that's an ingredient. Horsetail is an ingredient and that helps with water retention. So if you feel puffy, if your face feels puffy, your hands are a little bit swollen, it can help flush out excess water that you're holding on to. It has black pepper peppering in it that helps to reduce bloat. So it, it helps to move foods through your system a little bit faster. It aids in your digestion. So if, you're, if your digestive system is sluggish and the food is staying in there for longer than it should be, it starts to decompose, break down, ferment in your gut, and that lets off gases and can create bloat. Mm-hmm. So that goes in and helps with the bloat. It contains an ingredient, a, a brown seaweed extract called fucoxanthin, which has incredible clinical studies behind it that helps stimulate thermogenesis in stagnant fat on your body. So helping your metabolism recognize when it should store energy as fat or adipose tissue in your body and when it should be turning it into energy and using it. So our metabolism is really a a set of systems designed to take food and turn it into energy for our body. And one of the things that can slow it down is if the body feels like 
it's stressed out and it needs to hold on to energy because it's not sure if it's going to get more or if it's on the brink of burnout. That's when cortisol comes in, which cortisol gets a bad rap, but it's actually the savior life hormone comes in and it slows everything down. It slows down your metabolism and the rate at which you're burning your energy so that it, your it body, can can, yeah, it can conserve it. And so by eating regular meals, getting enough nutrients into your body, helping your digestive system, eating foods that keep your blood sugar stable, all of these things are going to help re- regulate your metabolism and tell your body that it's safe, that it's okay to let some of that go and to use it as fuel, as energy, um, instead of storing it on your body. So good. I just have been thinking of it as this little daily warm treat that like gets me through the afternoon. When did you guys get into clean beauty? And was it at the same time? And what are some of your favorite clean beauty skincare? Ooh, so many good ones. You know, when we started Sakara, there were not that many great clean beauty brands out there. And now there are so many great ones. I'm a really big fan of skin oils right now. I think just going through pregnancy and postpartum, I've really simplified my beauty routine. So I, I mean, I have a whole counter filled with different oils from living libations, uh, best skin ever, the sea buckthorn to the, I'm, I love the Vintner's daughter. Danielle turned me on to that. Oh, I think it's, it's like a magic. cult favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually a, a big fan of the goop, the new skin oil. I oh, find so good. It's yeah, amazing, right? It's very glowy. Yeah. But I have to be careful. Sometimes I'll put it on right before a Zoom meeting and then I'm like, wow, I look like I just got out of the shower. <laughs> I, I love that look. It's like some. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but it really makes your skin soft and, and hydrated. Yeah, I'm currently very thankful for Clean Beauty because my two-year-old daughter is obsessed with makeup right now. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yes, like... to put on <laughs> lipstick and now she knows which color she wants. So before she leaves the house, she has to put on red lipstick. Oh, oh my God. God. So cute. <laughs> I'm grateful it's clean, but I really love Ilya. Yeah. Uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Talk about glowy. I really like their foundation, which is like more like an oil than anything. Yeah. And I really love Stay Beauty too. I love their eyebrow brush and gel and I love their, I don't know what it's called, but it's like lip the cover. I like their slips. Oh cover. yeah, the- like a tinted, tinted moisturizer, tinted sunscreen. Okay, yeah. type of thing. Okay. I know. I think my favorites are are definitely Say Beauty. I think they have a great mascara, and I love their slip cover. Ilia has an amazing mascara as well. And oh, the closest their- highlighter is really good. Oh, and Coast concealer is really yes. That new concealer, it's so yes. cool. And I always love their little duo cream blush and highlighter combos those are amazing what else do i use well, you know what i've been using postpartum because of these under eye circles it's the uncover up oh from rms from rms so oh, that God, brush, I love that. really well so good we I had it, that one. And it doesn't look like concealer at all yeah I used to, I've, I've always had like pretty prominent under eye circles and they're more prominent when you like see me in person, of course. But I remember telling Whitney 
like this was like years ago. It's like one day under eye circles are gonna be in. Oh, I don't know if you guys saw that TikTok video. Um, I, I think it was on like this, on Birdie or the Thirty. One it's of those like the well. this like nineteen year old who's drawing under eye circles on herself because it's so in vogue. And it's like, you know oh what? my god! I knew it. She puts on all of this makeup first and then draws on under eye circles. That is, it's like, you know, the gray hair trend a couple of years ago. Do you guys, either of you, like, and if you don't, you don't, like, do you have a uniform, like, style-wise? Well, postpartum I do right now because I learned the first time, just put all your clothes away, <laughs> wear your old wardrobe, and just don't even... Don't don't even put pressure on yourself because it's not fun. It's not worth it. And your clothes will fit eventually. And let the journey be, you know, a little more graceful than crying in your closet. Sorry, can you hear the no. baby sounds? Is that too loud? We hear the baby sounds, but it's really totally cute. like, you know, why this not? Is, like, it's so great. Okay. This is one thing that Danielle taught me as a mother was to never apologize for being a mother. So, you know, people ask, like, how do you balance being a CEO and running a business and being a mother? And I I was lucky enough to get to watch Danielle go first and, <laughs> and, and see how, how she would do it. But I, I remember in press interviews and things we had, it was like in style magazine coming into our office and Danielle needed to feed her baby at the same time. So she just put a little shawl over and did the interview right there, breastfeeding her baby, just like she is now on this podcast. Yeah, yeah no shame ever. We don't have to choose. It's something, I mean, I relate to that just in Goop. I remember when I was there early on, I remember one of my first stand-up meetings. And there was like, one person was holding somebody else's baby. This person was, hold, you know, holding their baby. This person was breastfeeding. And I was like, this is how things should be, you know? Yeah. I remember in Condé Nast, there used to be a terrible, like, room with no windows. And it just said, mother's room on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, you know. I had a big wake-up call after having my first. And, you know, we have a leadership team of all women and now all mothers and you know when I when I became a mother there was a couple of us were mothers a couple of us were not and I just realized that it's not just oh here's your maternity leave and enjoy yourself and you know we give three months paid maternity leave but you also have unlimited vacation so if you need more we really wanted to be as conducive to what it means to be parents as possible but I realized that it's so much more than maternity leave after having my first it's what is the culture at the workplace how are you supporting instead of shaming parents and if you have to breastfeed on a zoom call or if your kid is sick and can't go to school and oops now you have to stay home and watch you know join the meetings that you can't there's never any shame and or eye rolling or you know well how are you gonna get your work done and I realized that that <laughs> is the most important part of what it means to have a, a work culture that supports parents that it's not just maternity paternity leave it's so much broader and bigger than that and you really have to especially as founders and, and CEOs, you have to exemplify what that, what that means. Definitely. And, balance. and by the way, the parents on our team are some of the most. Hard and effective. Yeah. And efficient. You just, you have a whole new you get what time is. Going back to beauty guys, how did you feel about it growing up? Like how was physical beauty talked about in your households? Good question. 
my mom never actually really ever complained about how she looked, her wrinkles, her skin. She always had a really empowered conversation around it and enjoyed aging now that I think about it. And she's still that way. Like she loves makeup and loves dressing up. My mom is such a character, but it was never because she felt like she had to fix herself. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that my mom was very focused on it's not how you look, but about what you do and always told me, you know, I think she was very feminist. Women can do anything men can do. And that was definitely in my head growing up. My father and stepmother enrolled me in modeling school at an early age. And I remember traveling to California to do like this run runway show when I was like four years old. And then we went to Disneyland after and you know things like that so there was definitely this level of self-awareness and self-judgment I'd say put into my head from a young age and I do think that that impacted ultimately my skin as well where I, I from all of the conversations hundreds of conversations that I've had with people who have acne, I would say a common thread between them is a little bit of this voice of some feeling like they have more to give out in the world and kind of criticizing themselves for not doing more or sharing more. And they have a lot of creative energy. And if it's not being dispersed into places, if it's not going into being super productive at work or creating art or being in service to other people or feeling an impact from their creative energy out in the world, then that energy can spin back into themselves and back into picking at every detail of their skin or of their bodies. So one of the things that I talk about in order to clear your skin is finding outlets for that creative energy, specifically that service others like going to volunteer or you know if you're looking in the mirror saying negative things to yourself or you know starting to pick at your skin pick up the phone call somebody that you haven't talked to in a while and just tell them that you're thinking about them or write in a, a gratitude email to somebody mm. like shifting that energy from going into back into yourself to something positive out in the world and it it has amazing effects love that. <laughs> Do you have a, I mean, I remember when I first had kids, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm, I'm aging. Hadn't really <laughs> occurred to me, but it's more than I think it is partly just you're tired. Do you have like, yeah, an approach or a feeling about? I'm currently reading this, studying kind of the energetics and beliefs behind the Tao and understanding how to move energy and what that means. And there was this quote, something like the mantra of every day I get younger and younger or something like that. Um, and so that's really changed. I think, I think part of what I've been feeling and I think what you're speaking to, Jean, is as a new parent, you just feel more and more tired every day. And that kind of becomes your mantra. Juggling so many things. I've been more conscious of the story I'm telling myself that even in the midst of feeling exhausted, I can still tell myself a different story that I'm having a blast even though I'm tired. 
you know, this is a chapter and it's a fun chapter and it's not aging me, which I think is a story I had been telling myself Mm -hmm. and that I just complained to Whitney about. When we remember that through line of joy, that it, it can reverse a lot of those things that you feel when you feel like you're aging because of parenthood. Yeah, I interviewed Dr. Jill Blakeway on our podcast. She's the founder of the Yanova Center. She wrote the book Energy Medicine. Best she, book. She really is incredible. And she came out with a book. I want to say it's called Sex Again. She's not the first one that you'd think of for writing a sex book. Sex book. Yeah. 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 But her perspective on it all is really interesting in that it's all about energy and that oh. her some of her clients and patients have the best sex of their lives in their 60s and beyond. And it's because it's an act of an energetic exchange and tapping into the universal consciousness, kind of being able to finally lose yourself that we can have this constant ego mind chatter that can make sex be performative or desired. Yeah. yeah, all these different things. And the, the best sex comes from being able to truly just like lose yourself in it. And that's why a lot of people opt for substance enhanced sex or things mm-hmm. like that. But that you can get there in other ways than relying on a substance. I thought that that was interesting of this, like getting to an age where you can let go of your own self-criticisms and feel really in your body and appreciate just the experience for the experience and not if it's good enough or perfect or whatever else. And then another thing she said was, that in Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, they believe that when a woman goes through menopause, the blood returns back to the heart and is really about a time of growing wisdom and just that ability to love more and feel more. I think more about those things and think about the wisdom and feeling more confident in my body. It makes me feel better about aging that just each year I get to know myself more and more and can feel good being me rather than just my physical appearance that my value is not based on a number on the scale or how I appear in a photo but my value comes from what am I creating in the world how am I showing up for others oh that's so great. I can't wait to read it. I, that energy medicine really changed my, especially my meditation practice. Like it just made it really magical. It's so good. <laughs> it's such a good book. Oh, well, you guys, this, I, I feel like we could just, we could keep talking to you for like 700 more hours. Thank you guys. And thanks for making all, all the stuff that you make. Like it's just <laughs> all delicious and, and always makes me feel kind of taken care of. What always love Danielle and Whitney. I'm always inspired by them. I see them and they're just great people and they're so smart and they like, so I, smart. it's just fun to talk to them because you don't know where the conversation's even gonna go and you know you're gonna learn something. Like I just uh, like so <laughs> that's um, all questions. Like they just their answers just are, you know, kind of definitely, yeah. Like I had a million more questions for them. One of the things I loved that we, you know, through parts of the podcast, we heard a baby in the background 
And I was thinking about it, how, you know, they were talking about how having this perfectionism around certainly your body, you know, it keeps you from experiencing joy in life and that kind of thing. And even with something like a podcast, you know, we're always striving for like to have a perfect background with no interruptions. And it's like, well, why not? It makes life more interesting to show its complexity sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, why not have a baby, you know, like the little joyful sounds of a baby nursing in the background? Why is that like, what's the word? Not wrong, but why is that not professional or not whatever yeah. people think it, it is? Yeah. I kept seeing the little like red, he was wearing like a little red suit or something and his arm kept going up. And I was just like, this, he's got a cute little suit. Yeah. I like we've been talking about and on this podcast about this like changing idea of what's professional and like yes. what even means anymore and boundaries at work. And I mm -hmm. love what you were saying about, you know, they're co-CEOs, but they're also friends and they're mm -hmm. both things at work. Like it's like putting the humanity back into like professionalism. Well, it's like how the ladies, you know, in the 80s would put on their suit and then to commute, they'd have to wear special shoes because, of course, yeah. you can't wear like heels. And like we've come a really long way from that, that like you're this role during this minute and this role during that minute. And like, why can't you combine those? I think motherhood is actually really helpful for that. You'll see, you'll be like, oh, I need a break from, from this motherhood. Let me like do some work, you know, <laughs> like, and it's a relief. And then you're like, enough of this work. Look at this beautiful child I have. There is something about it, I think, that's really helpful in making you sort of appreciate the different sides of your life and the different roles. I love what you're saying about why pretend that your other roles are put away in a box when right. you're performing this one, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, why not just be all of them and toggle between? Yeah. Oh, and I got so excited about the Jill Blakeaway that they were talking about at the end. She's yeah. that, that acupuncturist and just energy person. You've got to read her book. Like the, I, now I want to read the second one. What? You saw her and she like doesn't see people, right, anymore. But you didn't well, she sees, she sees people and I've definitely had some sessions with her. But what affected me most was her book. Like really? it looks, it looks like a textbook. It's a, and it's called energy medicine. And so you're kind of like, oh, this is going to be some like, you know, bibliography or, you know, like, and instead she goes around the world and talks to all these like energy healers and energy workers who are like, you know, crazy, like the, they light, you know, things on fire with their hands or they cure blind people. And it like actually happens. And they talk about how the energy like moves through their body. I'm not kidding. I read it and I definitely, it made me aware of energy in my body in a way that has totally changed how I think about everything. And now I can't wait to read that sex book. Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally going to order it right after yeah. we stop talking. <laughs> energy medicine. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Read before you have that baby because you're not going to be reading a lot after that. So many books to read. I'm reading anime and I have like a stack, but maybe I'll take a break and do energy medicine. You can dip in and out because it's these okay. incredible stories about like different energy uh, healers. You start to realize like, oh, you know, everybody's got their own thing. You know, it isn't like, oh, you know, you, if you do yoga or something, you, you're like, I have to do this particular way. Everybody has their own, their body kind of. It dictates some of sort of how they carry energy in it and stuff. And you, you, it makes you realize, oh, I probably have my own thing, whatever that is. I really loved Whitney's answer when we asked what foods she liked to help uh, heal her acne. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, like avocados are good, but like 
it's not just one food. It's, you know, the whole lifestyle, the whole thing. Like that was useful. We want things to be so simple, you know, Mm -hmm. and like there's something about trying to reduce something down to the, like the quick answer. And it's like, it's appealing to have that answer, but it doesn't, it's sort of like the magic pill, you know, it's almost like pharmaceuticals, like, Oh, eat avocados and you're done. You know, Uh, it's it's easy to think that. And even when she talked about sort of the psychological aspect of it, that it was, it's just, of course your mind makes a difference and all the different foods. Whenever anyone wants to know the secret to something, you want it to be like a sentence, but <laughs> it never is. <laughs> it's like work usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. It can be, it doesn't have to be laborious. It can be nourishing. I think, yeah, work should be nourishing. Yeah. We're human. We're, we're made to do it. So, you know. Yeah. We could like we like to relax, but you can't really relax unless you've been working. I really enjoyed talking to them. Like I yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. I feel like they always know some yeah. strange new thing and, and, and just have a different perspective. And I I love it. And their podcast is awesome. Oh, I love it. They have like the whole like they manage just like you were saying about the acne, they bring in every aspect of being human. Food permeates everything we do as human beings. I just love, they make things seem sexy and fun and doable and cool. They really do. Yeah. (laughs) So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It, and you do one called Ask Jean, and we get a whole bunch of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all here, right now. (laughs) Yes. So should we get into today's Ask Me Anythings? Or maybe ask us anything? Yes. And if anyone's listening and has a question they want us to answer here, just send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. It could be about self-tanner, crow's feet, dry shampoo, parabens, our favorite bath soak, non-toxic lube. Or anything else. Now to today's question. Okay. Susie S. wants to know, she says, I would love to know if you have drugstore recommendations for clean skincare products. Yeah, there's so many good ones now. It's like really changed in the past few years. First thing that comes to mind is Waleda Skin Food. I think GP likes that one too. She does. Jean, you love it. You're, you've been obsessed Favorite with it. Favorite thing. <laughs> and like back when we traveled to the LA office a bunch, it, it's just the best thing to put on before a plane ride or oh even after. But like... It's just like you get off the plane and you're just glowing. Like it's super rich and it melts right in. And it really is skin food. It just like feeds your skin. It's this really beautiful formula. And the green tube. I, it's like one of my favorite products. I talk about it all the time. I swear to God, it makes me look better if I put it on. It's moisturizer. It doesn't have any makeup in it or anything. I think I look better when I put it on. Yeah, everyone <laughs> does. Like it just like wakes you up. It's amazing. And you know, you put on your hands too. It's kind of like for all over. Yeah. And then and let's see, for sunscreen, Burt's Bees has a really great mineral clean sunscreen that's at drugstores. And mineral sunscreen is really the way to go. And the formulas are are really high tech and beautiful and sophisticated now. Like they blend into any skin color. They blend into my skin seamlessly. There's no more chalkiness. Like that whole thing is, it's really a, you know, a thing of the past. I feel like there's so many good formulas that that are visible now. And if you're shopping at the drugstore and you want to make sure you're getting a mineral only sunscreen so that you're 
not irritating your skin. Chemical sunscreens have some really irritating to skin ingredients. You can look on the back and there'll be like a box and it says active ingredients. And if there's anything in the box other than titanium dioxide or zinc oxide, you know it's not only mineral sunscreen. So you wanna, you wanna look at the box, see that it's either titanium dioxide or zinc oxide and nothing else in the active ingredients box. That's yeah. the way to tell. So you can look, you know, and there are many brands that make mineral only sunscreen and you can really just look it. You don't have to even look at the tiny print of the ingredients. It's just that active ingredient box. So it, it makes it shopping for it a little easier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Burke's for sunscreen and drugstores. Also Bear Republic has really great. Oh, yeah. sunscreens. Remember them? Mm-hmm. They love cool them. And Kula is, owns them and it's, it's really nice stuff. And then there is Nikeo. She is super great. We sell her on Google. Love her. Yeah, she she the woman, the founder is is amazing, and her formulas are inspired by her. Her grandmother is Kenyan and owned a coffee farm, and she sort of learned all these amazing skincare tips that have been passed down from her family. So she started a line based on that, and she has beautiful serums and an eye cream, like a quinoa eye cream. And it's so sophisticated and like the, the formula is like, it's just amazing skincare. It's kind of incredible, super incredible that you can get it at the drugstore. You can also get it on a group of course, but yeah, we had her on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. She was so good. She was really good. And then this brand three ships I recently learned of there at drugstores, they have like Mm -hmm. vitamin C and hyaluronic acid and, it's oh, it's really cute and beautiful quality and clean. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good options. Captain Blankenship. Yeah, they have great hair stuff. They have yeah. you know, they have the, I love the name, Captain Blankenship yeah. and they have cute yeah. packaging. And I just like if I had to go to a drugstore and was hoping to find a clean product, I would go first to Target. Target like Definitely. just really focuses on, you know, they have a really robust section of clean and natural products and um they're they're a great resource, I think. That's it for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us on the Goop Beauty Closet. You can learn more about our podcast series at goop.com slash beauty closet podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen to other great episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Bye. Bye.